Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. Okay, let's start with the famous Balaturim in the beginning of Parshas Tetzaveh, where the Balaturim points out that from Parsha Shemais until Vezai Sabracha, there's not a single Parsha that doesn't mention Moshe Rabbeinu by name besides for this parsha, Parshas Tetzaveh. From the time that Moshe Rabbeinu was born until he passed away, you do not have one single parsha that doesn't mention Moshe besides for this parsha. And that's Haloi uh, Davarhu. That's uh, interesting. So the Balaturim says something that's <coughs> really begs explanation. He says that in next week's parsha, Klal Yisrael creates the Egel Azov, the golden calf, and they and Moshe Rabbeinu pleads to Hashem to forgive them, and he says to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, "I'm willing to, to I'm willing to to give everything up so that Klal Yisrael should have a, a forgiveness." Um, save Klal Yisrael, v'im ayin, and if not, mecheni no misifrecha asher kasavta. Kasavti, I think it says. Um, erase me, I don't remember which one, erase me from the Sefer Torah. Erase me from the Sefer Torah. Mecheni, erase me from the Sefer Torah. So we have a Klal, that when a Chacham says something bad, something negative, a klala, a curse, even if it doesn't end up panning out that that's necessary, but some aspect of it could still be fulfilled. So, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't erased from the Sefer Torah. Moshe Rabbeinu is all over the Sefer Torah. But there's a little aspect of it, a tiny element of it, that Moshe Rabbeinu is erased from the Sefer Torah, so to speak. And that's in Parsha's Tetzaveh, in this week's Parsha. Because in next week's Parsha, he says, Mecheni. Now, there are two issues with this. You know, let, let's start with one issue. And this has always bothered me. In next week's Parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu says something. And because of what he says in next week's Parsha, so we, so, so he, his name is not mentioned in this week's Parsha? I, I'm not saying it has to be in next week's Parsha, but shouldn't it be subsequent? Shouldn't it come in a Parsha that follows the event, not a Parsha that precedes the event? So, I think there's an important indication there. The Sfarim tell us that this was not a punishment. In fact, the Sfarim say that this was a reward. Moshe Rabbeinu was rewarded that uh, his name is not mentioned in Parshish Tetzaveh. What was he being rewarded for and how was it a reward? Well, he was being rewarded for saying, Mechenina, Hashem erase me. That was an act of complete, complete Mesiris Nefesh, complete sacrifice for, for, for Klal Yisrael. And his readiness to give up his entire life's work 
his entire existence and put it on the line for Kalal Yisrael was an incredible act of a leader putting the people that he's leading before himself. It's not about me, Maishu Rabbeinu says. It's not about me. And so, so, so often you find that when there's leadership, there's ego. When there's leadership, there's a lot of me. And Moshe Rabbeinu has such a lack of self. He has such a lack of self. And Moshe Rabbeinu tells Hashem, it's all about them. It's not about me. And if there's not going to be a them, I'm not interested in there being a me. <clears throat> That's what, that was the greatness of what Moshe Rabbeinu did. And what that means is, now this is fascinating. So Moshe Rabbeinu was, was, was rewarded that his name is not mentioned in Parshas Tetzav. Now that's strange. Can you imagine? I would donate to the shul two and a half million dollars. And the shul would do a renovation that would be historic. And it would just be, it would just be like something else. It would be a uh, incredible, incredible thing. And I would, and, and they would put on the side of the building they would put on the side of the building, or maybe the doorway to the sanctuary, the Yosef Sun and Shine Sanctuary. How nice. Right? And then, one day, I would come into the sanctuary, and my name would be gone. So I would go over to the president, and I would say, what's going on? Why was my name taken down from the wall? So they were saying, we had so much gratitude to you. We wanted to reward you. We took your name down. Does that make sense? Does it make sense that Maishu Rabbeinu was so Maishu Nefesh for Klal Yisrael that we took his name down? We don't mention him in Parshish Tetzave? The answer is yes. Because you have to know Maishu Rabbeinu. There is no greater honor for Moshe Rabbeinu than to be completely, completely subservient and buttle to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. In Parshas Tetzaveh, Moshe Rabbeinu was Zaycha that he did such a good job of giving over to Klal Yisrael what Hashem wanted. He did such a, he did such a perfect such a perfect pass, such a perfect handover of the of the will of Hashem that it was as if there was no Moshe Rabbeinu. It was completely transparent. It was as if it went straight from Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu. I, when I spoke about this yesterday, I used a mushal that hit me while I was talking, and those are sometimes the best mashalim. I, I was this is so, such an interesting mushal. I was saying like this. Um, let's say. Um, Just I, I want to just take people in the room. Let's say um, um, I would take I would uh, I would meet uh, let's say Dr. Shear, okay? I would meet him in a in a in a store in Waterbury, and he would say, "Are you going to see Rafael Max later tonight?" Yes. Please give him the following message: A, B, and C, whatever that message is. I go over. There's two ways I can give over the message. I could go over to Rafael Max and I can say, I met Dr. Shear. He says A, B, and C. I can give it over accurately, exactly. No comment, no footnotes, no introduction. 
this is it. And then he will feel, he will feel when he's getting that message that the message came from you. Even though I'm the one that gave it, in fact, by the next day, he might even forget who gave him the message. He'll meet you and he'll say, who was it that you told to tell me that thing? Because that's not, because I am not an important part of that. I gave over your message to him and now I'm gone. But if I would say, he said A, B, and C. About A, I'm not 100% sure. B, he said over very well. See, if I do that, so then it becomes not about you, it becomes about me. When Moshe Rabbeinu's name is not mentioned in the Parshish Tetzaveh, it's the greatest, greatest um, 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 compliment to Moshe Rabbeinu that he completely gave himself over to the will of Hashem. There's no me. And what a reward to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what, that's what Messiris Nefesh is. I was reminded, when I was learning this, I was reminded of a, uh, uh, an incident that I had that uh, a bunch of years ago I was, went to visit a friend in Brooklyn and his wife is a teacher in a, in a girl's high school and she was doing a project about Messiris Nefesh. And I had driven in from Waterbury to visit this friend and uh, she takes out her video camera she puts it on the table. She says, I'm going to like to video you because you were one of the founders of the Waterbury community and I would like you to discuss your Mesiris Nefesh. Mesiris Nefesh is often translated as sacrifice. I would like to discuss your Mesiris Nefesh to start a community. I was in the camera and I was like, Mesiris Nefesh? We're having a great time. We look, that's what you call this Messiris Nefesh? What Eilam Haba is Messiris Nefesh? What could be better? There's no place else I'd rather live besides Eretz Yisrael. There's no place else I'd rather live. So that I find, at that moment it hit me, I said like this. I said, Messiris Nefesh in terms of sacrifice? I'm sorry, you got the wrong guy. I was not Messiris Nefesh. I, I, it's a dream. Messiris Nefesh in terms of that it's the Messira of the Nefesh that we put our Neshamas into it that we went in at Levitic we took our Nefesh we took our Neshama and we gave it over that maybe we, we're guilty of in Waterbury to be Moser the Nefesh I thought of that when I was thinking about this Indian with Moshe Rabbeinu it's not about me it's about the ability to it's about it's about serving our Kaddish Baruch Hu. The Balei Musar talk about this when it comes to being happy about other people's success in Ravidis Hashem. You see another shul grow, you see another yeshiva be successful, you see another person make a siyum. If you really your agenda is our Kaddish Baruch Hu and that's it, does it make such a difference if it's your shul or the other guy's shul, if it's your yeshiva or the other one's yeshiva, if it's your siyam or if it's his siyam? The main thing is that the name of Hashem is being made great. That's Mesir Nefesh. That's when you give yourself over to the Ratzin Hashem. That's the first thing for tonight. Let's move on to the second. So the Gemara in Erchen on Dav Gimel Amad Beis says something about the Big Day Kahuna. This week's Parsha is about the clothing that the Kahanim wore. The bulk of the Parsha, with a few exceptions, um, but the bulk of the Parsha is about the clothing of the Kayin Gadol and the clothing of the Kayin Hedyet. So the Gemara in Erechen, Nav Gimel Amit says something that, that um, was very intriguing to me. The Gemara says that Kahanim wore a tefillin shell rush, but did not wear a tefillin shell yad. 
The reason that they didn't wear tefillin shalyad is because they were wearing a shirt that needed to be on their flesh. There couldn't be anything separating between their shirt and their flesh. Tefillin would be a separation between their shirt and their flesh. They can't wear the tefillin on top of the shirt because tefillin also can't have a separation. So therefore they do not wear, while they're wearing their, their kahuna clothing, their big day kahuna, they do not wear a tefillin shalyad. They only wear the tefillin on their heads, not on their arms. Interesting, right? And I, it was so intriguing to me because we work very hard that we should never wear our shalraish without our shalyad. When we put on tefillin, we put on the arm first and then the head because by the time we put on the shalraish, we need to have the shalyad on. When we take off our tefillin, we take off the shalraish first and then the shalyad. We never have just the shalraish on. Correct? This occurred to me because I do. It happens to be because of my unique situation that I wear, um, I have a very complicated hands in the sense that I write with my left hand and I do everything else with my right hand. And therefore it's a bit of a machlaikas, which arm I should wear tefillin on. It's machlaikas, the Rama and the Gra. So for many years I just did one, but when I got older, when I started to have white hairs in my beard, I decided that to, 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 to at least for a minute or two during davening to put my tefillin on the other hand. So I used to switch it, and then one day I got a birthday present from my kids. They bought me a shalyad for the other hand. So, so, in the middle of davening, I take off my shalyad, and I put it on the other hand. There are some who say, take off the shalraish first, and put it back on. I don't do that. I just take the shalyad off one hand, I put it on the other hand. Every time, inevitably, I feel a little awkward standing there for a moment with a shalraish without a shalyad. Like the Kaihanim did. Right? But it was intriguing to me. We, notwithstanding my unique situation, but in general, our Mahalach is that we wear a Shalyad first and then a Shalraish. We don't just, we would never just wear a Shalraish. Unless somebody would have an injury or something. So I found that interesting. That L'Chatchila, that is the way it is for the Kayanim. Not sometimes, not maybe, not if there's an issue. That is the way every Kayan did the Avoidah. He did not wear a Shalyad. So I want to say a possible, a possible Pshat. Lemaisa, when Adam Arishan was, was created, Adam did not wear clothing. Adam Arishan did not wear clothing, not because... Um, not because of any um, lack of understanding on his part. Quite the contrary. Adam Arishan didn't wear clothing because the reason that we wear clothing is because our bodies are not the part of us that we take pride in, that our intellect and and the and our our inspiration comes from. Our bodies are the part of us that could very, very easily be seduced in the directions of, of immorality, of Avera, of Taiva, of Gashmias, of Chumrias. And it's a struggle for us to, to, to be in charge, to be in the driver's seat. And that our Seichel, our face, our head, our Chachmas Adam Ta'ir Panov 
should be the should be the dominant feature in our lives, and all of the all of the physical parts of our lives should go should stand in line under the flag of the intellect. That's why human beings are straight up, and animals walk on all fours, because human beings, the roish is the king, is in charge, and it's the charge of everything that goes underneath it. By animals who are impulse driven, you don't have that. You know, they're, they're impulse-driven, so it's more equal with the rest of the body. So, interesting. So, Adam Arishan, before his chait, Adam Arishan did not have that. His body, the, the Ramban and others explain, the Adam Arishan's guf was also only yearned for Hashem and for Kedusha. The Yetzirah was outside of him. It wasn't like today that when we say I or me, we don't know if it's our Yetzirah or Yetzirah. You know, you know, like, um, and we don't talk that way. But like, I remember the first time when I was, I was I, when, when, when I was younger, I was first married. So we, we lived in Eretz Yisrael. And we lived on a very tight budget, and we, uh, you know, we, we drank water or petal or whatever, you know, we, 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 uh, we, you know, it was a tight budget. You know, we didn't have, uh, it wasn't extravagant. But every once in a while, late at night, I would say, oh, I need a Coke. I need a Coke. I need a cold soda. And there were soda machines in Harnov. We would go for a walk, and we would buy a soda. So, I know it sounds very extravagant. And um, my wife, you need a soda? I don't understand. You need a soda? Like you need oxygen. You need a soda? You mean you want a soda? Like, no, no, I need a soda. Anyway, putting my shalom bias aside, the, um, the, the, um, the, the I need, really I meant my stomach needed. Right? Or something. Not my neshama needed, that's for sure. Right? The I, that's a, that's a complex thing because our impulses, desires, the lower part of ourselves that yearns for lower things and the higher part of ourselves that yearns for higher things are both included in me. That's the way it is today. But before Adam Rishon did his chet, it was not that way. Before Adam Rishon did his chet, the entire Adam was mishtaikik lamayla. Wanted to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Yetzirah was outside of him in the form of a Nachash. And, and therefore, there was nothing to cover. Everything was, was, was a, a beautiful expression of Kiddush Hashem Shemayim. There was nothing to cover. That was when Adam Rishon did his chait. Then the chait happened, and Adam Rishon realized that he wasn't wearing clothing. What does it mean that he realized that? He suddenly felt the humiliation of having a part of him that's drawn away from Hashem. And he was desperate to cover that. And ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, made a suit for Adam. Vayas Hashem aleikim Adam like cloaks of Leather, so to speak. And then the most, one of the most incredible words in the entire Torah, Vayal Bishem, and he dressed them. Did you know that Hashem dressed Adam? Is that mind-boggling? You know, I would be like, the suit is in the closet. You never wore clothes before? Figure it out. I don't think it was that complicated. HaKadosh Baruch Hu took Kasna Yisar, Vayal Bishem, and he dressed them. Is that mind-boggling? HaKadosh Baruch Hu dressed Adam and Chav. 
It's a Pasuk. So the Sfarim say it's because the act of putting clothing on was a step towards their return to the Madrega that they had left. By covering up the parts of us that just have lower impulses and leaving uncovered the part of us that's idealistic and spiritual and wise, we're showing who's in the driver's seat. And we're showing a certain level of bringing the guf back to Avodis Hashem. And therefore the zchus of Hashem made special clothing for us. And those special clothing represent uplifting the body to serve Hashem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the help to be able to do that by dressing us. It was an incredible spiritual siyata deshmaya that we could lift ourselves back up to Hashem. That's what it says. So... Years pass, and Klal Yisrael comes out of Mitzrayim, and they stand by Har Sinai and they get the Torah, and the Gemara Masech to Shabbos Daf Peiches says that when Klal Yisrael stood by Har Sinai Paskozu Amasa, the filth, the the contamination that came as a result of the chait of Adam Rishon left them. And you had standing around Har Sinai a nation of Jews that were like Adam Arishain before the Chait. At that point, unfortunately, 40 days later, an Egel Hazov, there was a golden calf prancing around. And Klal Yisrael did, that was like a Mahadura Tinyana of the Chait of Adam Arishain. Klal Yisrael couldn't hold on to that level and they fell. And when Klal Yisrael was on that level by Har Sinai, the Sfarim say that we wouldn't have needed a Mishkan. Because we could be the Mishkan. Because if our body and our Neshama is Kaddish, we could be the Mishkan. I don't need a building to house the presence of Hashem. Kaviyachal, I can house the presence of Hashem. But when Klal Yisrael did the Egel, and their bodies now fell back, so now they are not worthy to house the presence of Hashem. They need help. Hashem does dwell within us, but we need help. And the help is to build a Mishkan where the presence of Hashem resides. Incredible. Where the presence of Hashem resides. And in that way we can re- keep that close relationship with, with Hashem and with serving Hashem. The Kaihanim, who served in the Beis HaMikdash, had special clothing. And it makes sense that the special clothing that the Kaihanim who served in the Beis HaMikdash wore were similar to the clothing that Adam Arishim wore after his chait. Just like Adam Arishim after his chait, Hashem gave him special clothing to wear that encouraged him to lift up his body to be able to serve Hashem. Now in round two, of that, where Klal Yisrael did a chait and they needed the Mishkan in order to restore their, their, their connection to Hashem, the Kaihanim are dressed in clothing that also uplift their bodies. Does it sound far-fetched to you? I don't think it's far-fetched, but I can prove it. Okay? I can prove it. This is not just a theory. Okay? On the word Vayal Bishem, that Hashem dressed them, in the Balaturim in Parshas Bereshis, Vayal Bishem, um, the Balaturim says that there are only two times in the entire Torah that the word Vayal Bishem exists. 
once over there, Vayas Hashem Aleikim Laadam Eleishtai Kasnais Or Vayal Bishem. And the second time when the Kaihanim were dressed with the big day kahuna. Melamed, the Balaturim says, this teaches you that the clothing that Hashem made for Adam, big day kahuna hayu. They were big day kahuna. They were clothing of kahuna. What does that mean? That's what we're saying tonight. The clothing of Adam Arishain were clothing of lifting him up to serve Hashem. They're big day kahuna. And the clothing that the Kaihanim wore were like the clothing of Adam Arishain, lifting them up to serve Hashem. Hello, am I making sense? So if that's true, so how unbelievable is it? Why do we wear a shaliyad? And why can't we put on the shalraish without the shaliyad? We wear a shaliyad to bring our body close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to be meshabed the guf to Avayda Hashem, next to the heart. It's on our hands, which do all of our... We do everything with our hands. Yodayim Askani Yoseim. Once we sanctify, we're Makadesh our guf, then we could put a shell rush on our heads, which 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 has to do with the with the with the neshama and the and the hashra inside of us. First, we have to bring our bodies there, that we're that we're a, a worthy vessel for avodas Hashem. Then we could put the shell rush on our heads. If that's true. So how amazing is it that the kaihanim don't need shell yads, because the kaihanim are wearing big day kahuna, the big day kahuna. Didn't make it that the Kaihanim don't have to wear the, sh- that the Kaihanim can't wear the Shalyad. The Big Day Kahuna made it that the Kaihanim don't have to wear a Shalyad because the clothing itself represent the same concept that the Tfil and Shalyad represent. Half Leva Fella. What? It's yeah, yeah, that's right. Lechalois. Why didn't they have to do that? Why? Well, the, 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 um, the connection to all the begadim, even the hat, all the begadim was to lift up the guf. No, so why do they have to wear Because the Tzolun Shal Reish represents the Neshama, really represents what's higher than oh. the, than the Reish. Okay. Now there are two things that we've said over the last few weeks that I want to say something from this week's parsha. If you weren't here when we said it, it's not a problem. You'll still appreciate it. But if you were, you might appreciate it even a little more. Okay. Um, the first medrash in Parsha's Tetzava, the first medrash rabba in Parsha's Tetzava, speaks about the fact that the Pasuk in Yirmiya, the beginning of Parsha's Tetzava is about olive oil about making olive oil for the Menorah. Kosis Lamar. The Medrash Rabbah in the beginning of Parshas Tetzaveh discusses the fact that the Pasuk in Yirmiya compares the Jewish people to an olive. Zayis Ra'anon Yefei Pri Toyar Kara Hashem Shemech. Hashem called your name a like a, a, a fresh olive. And the Medrash, very, very interestingly, the Medrash says, we've been called a lot of fruits. And it goes through. 
We're called grapes. We're called figs. We're called dates. We're called uh, cedars, right? So that's going into the vegetation. Why? What? What? Are, what's added here? What element? What complement to us? What description of us comes from the fact that we're called olives? And it says something. There is a lot of famous Torah on this, but he says something that's very, very, very sobering. It says. That when an olive is is um, grows, so we mark the olives that they're ripe, and then we and then we um, then we harvest the olives, and um, and the olives get uh, get knocked around a lot when they're harvested. Benechbat, it gets banged around a lot, which is okay because we like that they get softened up a little. Okay, then we put them in the gas. The gas is the olive press. We put them in the gas and uh, we squish the olives. Then we grind up the olives. If you know, there's different stages. There's zach and not zach. We grind up the olives to pull out every last bit of of oil. And then we um, we it says that they 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 surround it with ropes and they put stones on it until it gives out every last bit of shemen. It really gets like uh, um, squeezed, be- ground, pressed. You know this these olives go through everything. Mevian avonim ve'acharkach nois nenes shamnon. So the Gemara, the the Medrash says. Klal is like that too. We get we get knocked around from place to place. They capture us. They hurt us. They beat us. And if you know a little history of Klal Yisrael, uh, how unfortunately accurate this is. And then in the end, we do tshuva. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds to our tshuva. What's the Medrash saying? The Medrash is saying that sometimes, it's Nagea a little bit to, to, to the Leila Cyrus this week, sometimes we do tshuva when something bad happens or when we think something bad's about to happen. And that makes us do tshuva. And there would be makam to say that maybe Hashem would say, huh, now you do tshuva. Now you need me. You know, when you didn't need me, then you were not here. Now you need me. Now, oh, now you've suffered a little bit. Now you come and do tshuva. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't say that to Klal Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't do that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if our tshuva comes from being treated like an olive, from being knocked around, from being pushed and pulled, from being ground and pressed, and that's where the tshuva comes from, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still responds to our tshuva. He still loves us for it, and He still responds to our tshuva. And by the way, it's important to know why. You know why Hashem does that? Because Hashem sees into our hearts, and Hashem knows that really the whole time we wanted to do tshuva. But it's hard in this world. We get distracted. We have a Yetzirah. There's stuff going on. Sometimes it's hard to find the energy for that. And sometimes it takes being getting a little patch. For us to realize, no, 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 I really, really, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I really, really, really want to do tshuva.
Beautiful, beautiful medrash. A heartfelt medrash. Why did I say that this has something to do with something we discussed? Because the medrash brings a raya from a pasuk. And the pasuk is a pasuk in Parshas Shemais. It says in Parshas Shemais, Vayayonchu b'nei Yisrael minho avoida. Klal Yisrael groaned. Klal Yisrael sighed from the avoida, from the hard work. So the Medjish wants to say that even though they only groaned from the hard work, HaKadosh Baruch Hu still still accepts what they say. And we were medayik that in the Pasuk, if you remember. Right? We compared it to the Bikurim. You remember we compared the, 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 that, 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 that when we come to Eretz Yisrael, we tell HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we cried out to you. You know, we were doing tshuva. But back in Mitzrayim, it just says that we screamed from the Avoida. So the Medjush is saying, yeah, sometimes we just scream from the Avoida. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu of Hashem sees what's really going on. Maybe it took a little bit of hurt for me to turn to Hashem and say, Hashem, I realize I need you. But that's just clearing away the path to a heart that always wanted to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Mamish brings the Pasuk that we spoke about. Isn't that amazing? Okay. One last thing that literally, literally a minute, but also, do you remember a while, I mean, maybe it was just last time, I don't remember, that we talked about the fact that Lashon Hara, that we learn about the importance of of speaking truthfully, of speaking truthfully, which, um, speaking properly from, unlike the Miraglim, who said Lashon Hara about Eretz Yisrael, from the fact that it says ayin before pay in the Aleph base. So it says ayin before pay, because ayin is your eye, and pay is your mouth, pay is a mouth. So you should say what you actually saw. And when somebody lies or says Lashon Hara or distorts things, it's called hikdimu peh la'ayin. Okay, one of the clothing of the kaihanim is machabra on Lashon Hara. Which one? The me'il. Okay. What's the gematria of Me'il? Mem is 40. Ayin is 70. 110. Yud. 120. Lamid. 150. What's the gematria of Ayin and Pei? That's all. <laughs> what? It's written back. It's written back. You have been listening to a shear from shasilluminated.org. For other shearim on many topics, or to hear an eon shear on any daf in shas, including Mara McClemus on each shear, please visit www.shasilluminated.org. To order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS. That's 203-312-7427. Or email info at shasilluminated.org.